Amen. Go with me to the book of Habakkuk, chapter number 3. Remember, work night, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, 6 o'clock, church 7.15 on Wednesday. Remember, all the life groups going to have a great time. Also, next weekend, looking forward to what the Lord is going to do. There is a meal after service tonight. Uh, to be honest, we have so much food left over, and we, we, uh, we, need to, we need to pay for what we bought to make the supplies. And so we need you, if you will, go out tonight, spend some time in fellowship, $5 for chicken spaghetti or regular spaghetti and all the other stuff. Amen. It's not very often I preach from the same passage two services in a row. But I'm going back to the scripture I used Wednesday night. If you weren't in the sanctuary Wednesday night, you can count that as the introduction and go back and listen to it. Amen. Habakkuk chapter number 3, verses 1 and 2, then we'll drop down to verse 17. Amen. Brother and Sister Martin, so good to see you with us tonight. God bless you. Pastor from down in Houston, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Amen. Habakkuk chapter number 3, if you found it, say amen. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, upon Shigianoth. I want you to try to say Shigianoth to somebody next to you. Y'all did better on your first time than I did on mine. I said it in Difference Makers this morning, and somebody, I think they thought I cussed. But if I did, it was an accident. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Shigianoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. To verse number 17, one of the most melancholy prophecies of the Bible. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. And there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice. Not in the fig tree, not in the fruit of the vines, not in the olive, not in the fields, not in the flock, not in the herds. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk upon mine high places. 
Look at somebody and tell them, I've got a joyful song on a sad day. Look at somebody else. Tell them, I have a joyful song on a sad day. Lord, I pray, anoint me to preach, Lord. I pray you have your way. God, by the authority of your word and by the power of your name, let the Holy Ghost move in this place, Lord Jesus. God, I ask you, Lord, let an anointing from heaven fill this place. Let a baptism of fire come upon Bethlehem tonight, God. Let the fire of your spirit move in this place. God, I pray, let it be like cloven tongues, like as a fire that would sit upon each of us and baptize us with the Holy Ghost one more time. God, send us out of here as an army walking in high places. In Jesus' name, give the Lord a praise tonight. Oh, yes, Lord. Somebody ought to go ahead and make a joyful song. Even if it's been a sad day, you ought to praise him. God bless you. You can be seated. In times of trouble and distress, God has always raised up prayer warriors. Problematic circumstances have often been the seed of the most passioned and fervent prayers. The most potent, impacting prayers of all of history were undoubtedly prayed at times of the greatest consternation. And such was the context in, when we fi- in which we find Habakkuk praying one more time. God's people needed revival. And when revival is needed, it is always birthed in prayer. Prayer is the most important task of the church. Everything else that the church does is secondary to prayer. Prayer works when nothing else will work. Oh, hallelujah. I want to say that again. Prayer works when nothing else will. Prayer has the power to move nations. Prayer alone will position the church and condition our communities for revival. Habakkuk prayed. He talked to God. I found that the most important thing that I have in my arsenal as a man of God and as a pastor is the time I spend alone with God in prayer. It's when God can talk to me and God can speak to me and God can move on my heart. Amen. The most important time for this church is the time we spend together in prayer. When we pray, we move heaven. The most important thing we'll do before we leave this place tonight is pray together and ask the Holy Ghost to come down and do his work. Habakkuk prayed. He said, oh Lord, I have heard thy speech and I was afraid. God, I heard your judgment. I heard what you said you were going to do to the world and to the sinner. And when I heard about your judgment, it stirred my soul. And so Habakkuk said, oh Lord, Revive thy work in the midst of the years. Can I tell you, that is part of my prayer tonight. God, revive your work.
work in this nation one more time. Revive your work in this world. I think he's already doing it. I think he's already stirring in ways that we wouldn't have thought possible even a month ago. Some of the stuff we've seen God do in the last few weeks, we wouldn't have thought it was possible. But when God's people begin to pray, something starts to happen. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. There was a prayer service at the University of Mississippi on this past Thursday. And, uh, and, and it started at 9 o'clock in the morning. I got there about 9.03, 9.04. And, uh, and when I got there, there was a, a group of young people in there praying and worshiping. They were not all Pentecostals. Now, now my buddy Will was there on the front row. And, uh, and he and I were Pentecostal, but not everybody in that room was Pentecostal. But I sat about halfway up in the chapel on one side, and I began to hear around me young people from all across this country and from all different kinds of denominations and faiths. I began to hear them as they began to call on God and to pray for revival and to weep. And I, it got a hold of my heart. It started stirring in my soul. It got me. I couldn't help it. I got to weeping with them for about an hour. I couldn't do anything but sit there and cry and say, God, revive your work. Revive your work. Revive your work, God. Revive your work. God, don't rain fire on Marshall County. Revive your work in Marshall County. God, don't rain judgment on North Mississippi. Revive your work in North Mississippi. Can I tell you right now, there's something wrong with the Christian that wants judgment to come. Can I say it one more time? There's something wrong with an apostolic person that wants judgment to come. I'm saying, God in wrath, remember mercy. Don't send judgment, send revival, send conviction, send the stirring of the Spirit. What's that old song uh, that says, many will meet their doom? What's that old song? Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. And, and, and the thing that used to, Brother Carson, it used to drive me crazy was people that wouldn't say amen in any other time in the service. When you get to the line, many will meet their doom. Amen. <laughs> they didn't have a pulse five seconds ago, but all of a sudden the thought of somebody meeting their doom got them to say, amen, get them, God. You know what we ought to be saying is, God, get them, but get them with mercy, get them with grace, get them with compassion, get them with love. God in wrath, remember mercy. Revive your work, oh God. Do I have anybody that wants revival? I'm talking about revival that reaches the sinner, that reaches the lost, that reaches the addict, that reaches the false stuff. God, revive your work. Bishop, thank you for preaching this morning. When you started preaching, I knew I had a word from God for this service tonight. When that elder got up, you know, a lot, now, now let, me just be, let me just be as respectfully plain as I can be. A lot of people, when they get to be the age of Brother and Sister Wilson and Brother and Sister Carson, they start, well, they, they, they start slowing down on wanting revival. They start slowing down on, on, we don't really need all that. But thank God for a bishop that got up and said, there's still revival coming. There's still revival coming. 
There's, I'm telling North Mississippi, there's revival coming. If you're wherever you're watching right now, in your living room, wherever you're listening to this right now, I'm telling you, revival is tracking you down. Revival's coming after your family. Revival's coming after your home. Revive your work, oh God. Revive your work, oh God. Oh, Jesus. I've seen the world reject God and his ways. And I'm afraid for what's coming on this world. But God, if you can stir up some people in the midst of all this wickedness, if you can stir up some people in the midst of this wicked generation that will call on heaven and cry for you to visit us with revival again, God, somewhere, somewhere out there, somebody's heart's being stirred. Somewhere out there, somebody's heart's being moved. Church, the world has chosen wrath over mercy, but the church has to choose mercy over wrath. The world has chosen sin over holiness, but the church has to choose holiness over sin. The world has chosen carnality over worship, but the church must choose worship over carnality. There is a call on the church in this hour to go to another level. The more we see wickedness out there, the more, the more that God is asking us to step up to the plate. I think we got a little bit more in us, don't you? Don't you think we got another push coming right before the rapture? Another push of prayer, another push of revival, another push of worship. I wish somebody just say amen with me right now. When fear of the future gripped Habakkuk's heart, he cried to the Lord for revival. He didn't shut down. He didn't didn't fret to the point that he quit praying for revival. But he said, I heard about judgment. I heard your speech, God. I heard what you said you were going to do to the sinner. And I got filled with fear. But in the middle of all that, I found hope for revival one more time. Look, look, I know, I know, I know this world is wicked when every single kind of perversion is glorified by this culture and you and I that believe in a biblical value system are mocked and made fun of. This world has a problem and I know it, but I'm not saying God get the world. I'm saying God in wrath. Remember mercy. It's my considered opinion that God is allowing one more great thrust of revival to sweep across this land before he folds his arms in judgment. Before the flood, he had an ark built. And God did indeed make a way of escape. God will sweep the land one more time. Hallelujah. Amen. That ought to get us more excited than miracles for us. If we get more excited about miracles for us than we do about God reaching a sinner, we've let selfishness get into our spirit 
We made it about us, my four and no more. But when we preach God, reach out there and get the dope head. Reach out there and get the adulterer. Reach out there and get the fornicator. God, reach into this world. I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying. Do I have anybody that will help me pray in wrath, God? Remember mercy. Do I have anybody that will say, revive your work, God, one more time? Come on, do I have some prayer warriors that this desire is getting deep in your spirit, that it motivates you when you wake up in the morning to say, God, send revival today. God, when it gets in us, then it'll get out into the world. But God's trying to get it, get it in us. It's hard to read the prophet Habakkuk and not be stirred with the negativity of his vision. In chapter 1, Habakkuk is upset because he feels that God has forgotten him. He said, Lord, how long will I cry unto you and you won't hear me? He didn't say, God, how long will I cry and you won't answer me? He said, God, you're not even listening to me. He was angry with God for using Judah's enemies, the Chaldeans, to judge Judah when the Chaldeans were far worse than Judah was. He was having trouble trusting God. In chapter 2 of Habakkuk, in chapter 1, he was a little upset with God. In chapter 2, he's upset with the people. He chastised God's people for their covetousness. Then he accused them of building cities on iniquity. And then he indicted them for getting people drunk to look upon their nakedness. And then he rebuked their love of violence. And finally, he railed on them because they had made themselves idols out of wood and stone and worshipped them in the place of God. And then, in chapter number 3, there's only three chapters in Habakkuk. In chapter 3, he begins to describe the judgment that's coming on the land. The results of their idolatry. God has decided not to bless them because of their sin. And so the prophet in verse number 17 declared the frightening conclusion of their chosen life. The fig tree shall not blossom. The fruit will not be in the vine. The labor of the olive shall fail. The fields will yield no meat. There'll be no corn, no barley, no wheat. There'll be no rye, there'll be no figs, there'll be no grapes, there'll be no fruit of the vines. There'll be no olives, so there'll be no oil. And if there is no oil, there is no anointing. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. There'll be no beef, there'll be no more lamb. There shall be no herd in the stalls. Utter devastation and wrath upon the land. It appeared as if the judgment of God was going to destroy everything. However, in verse number one of Habakkuk 3, 
It says a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Shigianoth. It's an interesting word, isn't it? The prayer of Habakkuk upon Shigianoth. I've read this verse many times over the years. I preached on Habakkuk chapter number 3 in Key West, Florida for Brother Mike Bingham in the spring of 1990. How many of you were not alive yet in 1990? Get out of here. My point is I have read this scripture a lot over the years, Brother Ray. And I always skipped over verse number one, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Shiganoth. I thought that that meant he was praying upon a city or land known as Shiganoth. That he was making this prayer for this location, this land, this city. But that's not it. Shiganoth is not a land and it's not a city. The word actually is an ancient Hebrew musical term. Scholars translated it to mean a highly emotional, poetic song. A shiganoth is a specific type of song. I'm reading directly from my resources. It said, shiganoth is not slow, whiny, or sad. It's not a, now this isn't from the resources, this is from me, but it's not a tear in your beer ballad. Or tearing your root beer ballad. Shiganoth is a high form of praise. The resource said it is wild, rhythmic, and exuberant. Shiganoth. It's a strange word in the context of the prophecy of Habakkuk. God, you don't hear me when I pray. People, you are the most terrible, carnal people I've ever seen. And fields and trees and grain and animals, you're all going to die. And in the middle of it, Habakkuk says, this song is upon Shiganoth. This song is a high form of praise. This form is exuberant and joyful and happy. It makes no sense. Habakkuk inserted this two-word phrase upon Shiganoth as he wrote his prayer so that people wouldn't misunderstand his message. He was writing what looked like was a negative message, but he sang it in an exciting way. Praise God. Y'all still with me? Can I get 10 minutes before spaghetti time? A Shiganoth song is required to be sang with excitement and exuberance and joy. If it's not exciting and it's not exuberant and it's not joyful, it is not Shiganoth. You can't have Shiganoth and be down and sad at the same time. 
You cannot sing a sad song and it be a shiggy and off. If it's going to be a shiggy and off, then it only comes with joy and excitement and exuberance and praise. He's literally writing with exuberance that the labor of the olive shall fail. The fig will not come forth. The flock will be cut. He's right. He said all this bad stuff is getting ready to happen. But the only way that you can say something like that with joy is if you know the God that's in control of it all. If you know the kind of God that does his best work when everything else is at its worst. If you know the kind of God that works miracles when everything else is low, then you know why Habakkuk. Oh, I'm starting to feel something well up in me. I'm starting to feel something come up in me. Because I've got to tell you that it does not move God to make your feet like hinds feet. When all you do is cry and moan and complain about God and about the church and about the preacher and about the people in the church. It doesn't motivate God to turn your situation around when all you do is sit there and mope and whine and complain. But when you find a way to praise God in the middle, when you find a way to worship in the middle of your trial, God says that's the kind of you got to make a, somebody's got to make a shigging off right now. Some of you are going through some stuff. Some of you are fighting some stuff. Some of you have been through some stuff. And the devil's trying to quiet your praise down. He's trying to silence your worship. That's why you got to say, not today, devil. This is a shigging off kind of day. I got a joyful song on a bad day. Somebody just say preach, Pastor. I, I wish I wish somebody'd say more than preach, Pastor. I wish somebody'd go ahead and preach and do a shiganoth right now. Somebody that you're looking at situations and circumstances, and it looks like a dead olive, a dead fig, a dead field, a dead herd, and a dead harvest. But you look at it and say, No, that's not the kind of God I serve. The God I serve is a victory God. He's a joyful God. He's a restorer. He's a God of sheep. Somebody needs to find a shigianoth right now. Somebody needs to dig it up out of your... Somebody needs to dig it up out of your spirit and say, I refuse to let my joy be damaged by something temporary. I will joy in the God. Somebody, somebody needs just to let loose a little bit right now. You've cried long enough. It's time to dry it up and get a song in your soul on a bad day. You need a joy. I'm not preaching. I'm not trying to preach. 
Bishop said, I'm preaching. So if he said, I'm preaching, then I'm preaching. I'm trying to tell somebody, you got to set the temperature of your environment. If you let the devil, he'll manipulate you every day of your life. If you let him, he'll silence you every day of your life. But you need to wake up and say, no, no. Today is a shigging off kind of day. I've come to be joyful. I got a joyful song on a bad day. to look like on that bad day. No fig. What it says, verse 17, right? Where am I at in here? Dear Lord, help me there. I got to get a large print Bible. Or I got to get small print eyes. I'm in the wrong book. No wonder I can't find it. I'm like, that's not what I just read. Although the fig tree shall not blossom. Now listen, this is a, this is, he, said, he said this is Habakkuk on Shiganoth. So he didn't say the fig tree shall not blossom. He didn't say there will be no fruit in the vine. There's nobody in the world that's attractive when they cry. labor of the olive going to fail. The field shall yield. Went to a Mexican restaurant last week. We got there so late that they told some people they were out of rice. When you run out of rice at a Mexican place, you're in a bad spot. I should have preached this to the folks that walked out with no rice. There'll be no rice at mi pueblo. And the flock will be cut off from the fold. And there'll be no herd in the stalls. It's not what he said. No, this is on Shiganoth. He said, the fig tree's not going to blossom. The labor of the olive's going to fail. The field's going to yield no meat. And the flock shall be cut off from the fold. They'll go, there's not going to be a herd. Can you imagine they looked at him like an idiot? They thought, what is wrong with this crazy clown preacher? What is wrong with this prophet? He's finally lost his mind. All that praying and fasting has finally caused him to lose his mind. But you got to understand something about Habakkuk is he knew that that was not the end of the story. You cannot let a negative world tell you you're crazy for having faith in God. You cannot let a negative generation tell you you're crazy for worshiping God. You can... There's war in Europe, but I've got a God who's able. There's a bad economy, but I've got a God who is able. There's sin all around, but I see revival coming. I got a shigging, you got to have a shigging off inside of you. Yeah. 
had one of the boys in the church, one of the younger boys, 12, 13 years old or so, come in my office before church tonight. He said, Pastor, you need to do a class about bad attitudes. <laughs> what I want to say was, amen, you got that right. But I didn't say that. I said, I said, well, what if you're the one with the bad attitude? He said, I am. That's why I want you to have a class. I said, you want me to do your work for you. The Bible says you have to have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, temper. I said, you need to get in the prayer room and be praying more than you're out here talking to girls all the time. Make it plain, preacher. Make it plain, preacher. You want me to, you want me to baby around? You want me to preach? I said, get in the prayer room, get in the Holy Ghost. You won't have an attitude problem. He said, I think I'm done with this conversation. And that's exactly how a lot of people are. You finally tell them something they need to hear and they soil up and get all whiny. You need to get a shigging off in your heart and get a praise instead of an attitude. Most of the people with the worst attitudes, I haven't seen them in the altar in 20 years. Got to get a shigging off. It's an attitude in your mind. You got to make up your mind. I refuse to get negative and down. I refuse to let the devil take my joy. I refuse to let the devil get my praise. No matter what it looks like in the world, I'm going to look for the, I will rejoice. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. The economy's bad. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. I'm not rejoicing in the Dow Jones. I'm not rejoicing in the stock market. I'm not rejoicing in my 401k. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Hollywood's not my God. Washington, D.C. is not my God. Russia's not my God. Geopolitical situations are not my God. My God is the God that rides on the winds of revival. I got a shigging off in me. Let, let me let me close it with let me close it with this. I'm going to tell you, the churches that are going to have revival in the end and the churches that don't, the difference between the two is how much each church lets what's going on out there affect what we do in here. If we bring that fear in here, we're not going to have revival. If we bring that negative, when, when somebody that's living in the world as bad as the one we got, when they walk through those doors and they see people that are living in the same world they're living in, but we got our hands up and we got a smile on our face and we got joy because we found a shiganoth in the middle of that word because we found a shiganoth. I'm trying to tell somebody there's a change coming for you when you find that shiganoth praise in your heart when you say in spite of it all, I Come on, somebody ought to do it right now. I ought to not have to beg you. I ought to not have to beg you to get out in the aisle and worship. 
I ought to not have to beg you to get, you ought to find a shigging out down inside. I know I got stuff going on. I know I got stuff in my world. I know I got stuff happening. But I found a shigging out down deep inside of it all. Come on, somebody ought to get their praise back right now. Somebody ought to get a shigging off praise right now. Somebody ought to get a shigging off praise right now. Lift your eyes from the fields and look to God. Woo, Jesus. If you'll take what I'm preaching and you'll apply it to your heart, you'll walk out of here different. If you get soiled up and upset about it, then you'll walk out of here and you'll be in a worse condition than you were when you came. You ought to throw your hands up and say, God, help me to make off my attitude of worship. That no matter what happens, no matter what comes my way, no matter what somebody else says, whatever, whatever they do, whatever happens in my economy, whatever happens on my job, whatever happens in my world, God, I made up my mind. This, from now on, I am on Shiganoth. Just lift your voice and say, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to joy in the God of my salvation. I'm going to joy in the God of my salvation. That word, that, that word, yeah, I will rejoice. It's a Hebrew word, Allah's, and it means to jump for joy. Can you imagine? Devin, can you imagine that crazy old prophet sending out in a burnt, dried out field surrounded by withered ground, grass and withered plants and where last year there was wheat now there's nothing where once there were figs hanging off the trees now there's nothing And that crazy old preacher looks around at all that destruction around him. And he says, I will rejoice. But he said, he said the word Elias, I will jump for joy. He jumps up and the ground's so dusty that a, a puff of dust. Do you know what he does? He doesn't let the symptoms of the environment stop his worship. He just does it again. Because I got a shigging off and I made up my mind. This is not wine time. This is rejoice time. I'm going to rejoice. Woo. And then, and then, he said, I will joy in the God of my salvation. That word joy is the Hebrew word giel. And it means to spin around. Oh, I know I'm getting ready to get dizzy. To spin around in worship 
to the God of my salvation. When he got down jumping, there still weren't figs, and there still weren't olives, and there still weren't herbs. And so we got done jumping and said, now what do I do? Oh, here's what I do next. I'm going to go this way, see if it reverses the dizziness. He just begins to spin. It didn't work. He just begins to spin around in worship because he realized that I can't give up my worship just because the circumstances didn't change. But once he got done spinning around, he heard a word. He heard a word from God. And the word from God was, the Lord is my strength. And he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he'll make me to walk in high places. I'm getting ready to change elevations. I'm getting ready to change elevations because I found my praise in the valley. And when you can praise him in the valley, he puts your feet on the mountaintop. He tra- Oh, I wish somebody just praise him right now. I wish somebody just praise him right now. I'm ha- somebody needs to say, I'm having a shaking off moment right now. You ought to leap for joy if you don't feel it. You ought to spin around even if you don't feel like it because you got to find it's a shaking off time. Come on, let's do it, let's do it. Somebody needs to find a shigging off in the middle of your trouble, in the middle of your problem, in the middle of your family situation, in the middle of your health situation, in the middle of your financial situation. You gotta dig it out of yourself.